Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're in a series entitled Me and My Big Mouth. Uh, and what we want to do is get your big mouth and my big mouth pointed in the right direction so God can do some big things uh, with our big mouths. Uh, and so let's open up Scripture today, the book of uh, Hebrews. Uh, they're going uh, um, on the screens to the book of Matthew, Matthew 6.25 on the screens. We're going to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, And Jesus here is teaching on the power of words in the book of Matthew. Um, This is something that's worthy of meditation, and I would encourage you later when you get home today or maybe in the morning when you're having your devotional uh, to go back and look over these scriptures uh, of what Jesus is saying here to get these truths uh, established in your heart. And watch what Jesus here says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, uh, so who is Jesus talking to there? Me. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. He says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Now, notice this, take no thought. Uh, I heard one minister say this years ago. It's a quote that always uh, stayed with me. He said, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Uh, Now, that's ironic for me because I don't have any hair, so I don't have that problem at all. Uh, But his point was not if you have hair or big 80s hair or not, Uh, because that quote was given in the 80s when everybody had big hair. Uh, So out of this, his point was with our thought life, that we cannot stop random thoughts coming to us. Uh, No matter who you are, no matter how much scripture you read, uh, there's an enemy out there who's going to bring thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that something's going to fail, something's going to go wrong, something is going to go bad, something's not going to work out, uh, something's going to happen with your kids, something's going to happen on the job. No matter who you are or how much scripture you read, these thoughts are going to come. But there's a difference between a thought coming and you taking the thought. Uh, And there is a difference between you having the thought and you taking the thought um, in and of yourself. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, don't take a thought saying, what am I going to eat? Or what will I drink? Or or yet for my body, what shall I put on it? Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Uh, watch how he phrases this in the Amplified. The Amplified just kind of takes these Greek and Hebrew words and amplifies it and gives us words that we would use today. Therefore, I tell unto you, stop being perpetually uneasy. I like that. Just stop it. Uh, why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, stop it. Uh, I'm kidding. You had to do that. You might have offended somebody. Just stop being offended if you got offended. Uh, stop being perpetually uneasy, uh, anxious and worried about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or your body, what you shall put on it. He keeps going here. Is not life greater in quality than food and, and the body far above and more excellent than the clothing. What's he, what's he talking about once again? us taking a thought. It's more than us just thinking it. It's this continual worry, this continual fear, this lingering kind of thought that something bad is going to happen. Jesus says, stop it. Uh, And Jesus, who's he saying this to again? Me. Uh, So Jesus, Jesus is telling you today, stop it. Uh, Like stop allowing these uneasy thoughts to be taken by you. 
Stop it. Stop allowing your heart to be vexed and afraid uh, about what's going on. You don't have to be afraid about what's going on here or there. He says, just stop it. Pull your heart back from those things. Uh, And he keeps building out this thought. We'll see this here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Therefore, he keeps going here, do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? He keeps building this out. And watch this in the King James. Therefore, take no thought, saying. Now, notice what Jesus is teaching here. He says, let me tell you the difference between having the thought and taking the thought. You have now taken the thought when the thought is coming out of your mouth. Take no thought, saying. Uh, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? So now it's not just a thought I'm thinking, it's a thought I'm talking about and making even other people think those thoughts. Uh, And now they're thinking about, well, what if it doesn't work out? Uh, And I I wonder what will happen here, which is very dangerous when we have a a world that a big section of it profits off of fear. Um, That the more it can get you to take thought, the more you click and the more you look and the more you click and the more you look, the more money they make. Uh, So they're actually in the business of making you take thought, and it's like, care about this. And the Bible's like, cast all your cares. (laughs) And they're like, no, you don't. Carry this care as long as possible. Be concerned, please. And Jesus, your Lord, is saying, take no anxious thought. Don't allow these thoughts and these things to come and just bombard you. And he says, the way you know you have taken the thought is now you're verbalizing the thought. Um, now it's not just a thought about marriage, now you're verbalizing it. Now it's not just a thought about your health, you're verbalizing it. Now it's not just a thought about your job, you're verbalizing. You are taking these thoughts, and Jesus, your Lord, is saying, pull back from that and stop it. Pull your thoughts back from this. Now, here's why this is important, is because all of this is a principle of faith, which is why we're here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, no worries. Uh, they'll pull it up on the screen. If you do have a Bible, let's look at these things together. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, what's he saying there? Uh, In the Genesis 1 experience, um, Jesus uh, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are looking to create the world. And the way they created the world they wanted to create was by speaking. God said and then God saw. And so Hebrews 11 is talking about Genesis 1. And it says in verse 3, through faith we understand. And I would come back and say, do we? Uh, Do we have this knowledge? Do you have this knowledge that the, the world that we see was framed by the word of God? And it ends with this statement here, so that the things which we see were not made of things which do appear. So he says, you know, look around the room. What you see began in the unseen first. What you see is made of things that do not appear. And we would look at that and say, well, no, that's not true, Pastor Joel. It's like that wall uh, here is made out of wood. Or there at Highland Colony, that, that uh, building there is made out of, um, you know, metal. And, uh, and then they put sheetrock on it. I can see all those things. It's made out of things that we can see. But Scripture says, well, what happened before that, though? 
that before there was ever anything that existed in the seen, it existed in the unseen first. Uh, I'll give you some examples, but before I do, for those of you who are taking notes, uh, there are three thoughts that I want you to see here. The first one is this, faith creates substance to hope. Faith creates substance to hope. Now, this is amazing, and if you can get this, it'll change your life forever. The Bible is a book of hope. Uh, The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That is hope. Hope is believing to see God's goodness. Uh, It's not this irrational thought of like just uh, courageous positivity. It's like the glass is always half full. It's like even if the glass is three-fourths full, I believe God can fill it to overflowing. Uh, That my hope is not in the glass or the water. My hope is in God. And so the Bible says that hope is this anchor to our soul. And and all of us are called to have this hope. Uh, if If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Hope always has a joy set before it. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and verse 3 that Jesus, for the joy set before him. Uh, That's what hope is. Hope is a joy set before you. It's a confident expectation of the goodness of God. It's like, I know this is what I'm facing in front of me. And I know this is what they've said. And I know this is what I look like, what it looks like. But... I know I also have a God who is greater than what they've said, a God who is greater than what I see, a God who can move a mountain in front of me. My hope is in the confident expectation of the goodness of my God who loves me. Uh, So this is hope. And the Bible says that he's a God of hope and we are to be a people of hope. And it's teaching us that faith creates the substance of that dream. Faith gives substance to things that are hoped for. If you can hope for it, faith can, can create substance to it. In other words, faith can take that unseen desire and turn it into a seen reality. Faith takes what hope desires and brings it into your life. Faith creates substance to hope. The things that you see were made of things that do not appear. Thoughts become things. Now, here's an example of this at Highland Colony as well as here at um, Lakeland. Uh, Many years ago, people would drive by uh, Highland Colony and Lakeland Drive, and then when they would drive by these facilities, you know what they saw when they looked out here? You know what they saw? Trees. Uh, And they saw what was seen. Now, if you can get this, uh, it'll be worthy of your time to come to church today. Uh, They saw what was seen. Faith sees the unseen. Sight sees what is. Faith sees what could be. So everybody's driving by. They see trees. Uh, There was a man, though, who attended our church uh, during this time when my father and mother were pastoring. He attended uh, this. And when he drove by these trees, he saw something different. You know what he saw? A neighborhood. And it's the neighborhood that existed, uh, exists now uh, behind this facility. He saw this neighborhood. Everybody else sees trees. He sees roads. He sees houses. He sees what could be. This is the beginning of all faith. Faith creates substance to things that are hoped for. He saw something different than what everybody else saw. And when you're in faith, you will always see something different 
than what everybody else saw. The issue was, though, is that the landowner who owned this, all this land, the frontage and all where these neighborhoods are, um, uh, didn't want to sell the back part of the land without the front. And so he came to my father and said, what if you buy the front and I buy the back? And we kind of, you know, split the cost and those types of things. Uh, And my father drove out here. I can remember my father coming home because at this time, nothing existed past the movie theater on Lakeland Drive. Nothing. The Walmart wasn't here. uh, Dogwood wasn't here. There weren't any hotels, no restaurants, nothing. Nothing was out here. Uh, Same way on Highland Colony. I mean, you look at what's going on at Highland Colony, like I can remember driving by that, and Costco wasn't there, Chick-fil-A wasn't there, like all those types of things. Uh, It was trees. And my father came out here, kept driving, kept driving, came up to it, uh, got on the, the, the parking lot, on the edge of the road there, like right there where, you know, it kind of runs over into the ground. He said, I got out of my car, and he said, when I got out of my car, I began to cry. Because he said, when I got out of the car, I saw a church for we walk by faith, not by sight, looking not unto that which is seen, for that which is seen is subject to change, but we look at the unseen. Faith sees what could be, and he's looking at this and sees a church. Now we have a church. And now you see everybody who drives by at Highland Colony or here sees a church. But what they see came from the unseen. There is nothing that you see that was not unseen first. Stephen Covey wrote about this in his book, 12 Habits of Highly Effective People. He said everything has two creations. First, an inward creation, then an exterior creation. There will be no exterior creation without first there being an interior creation. He talks, and he's just, he's just he, doesn't, he may not even know it, but all this is scriptural. First, it comes in you, then it comes on you. There is nothing that comes on you that did not come in you first. First, it enters into the heart of man, then it comes into the life of man. This is why scripture tells you, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. If God can't get it in you, he can't make it come on you. But if God can make it come in you, he can make it come on you. Which is why the Holy Spirit and the enemy are always in competition for, you know what? Your mind. They both come with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Jesus said, I'm sending you another comforter. Well, what's, what's going to happen when this comforter comes? He will lead you and guide you and show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, he touched their minds, then their mouth. We'll talk about that in a minute. He touched their minds, then their mouth. He said, I'm going to give you visions and dreams. He said, everybody, your handmaidens and your men servants, your old and your young, every man, every woman, the Holy Spirit says, I am here to touch your imagination. Uh, and I'm to get you to dream positive expectations that when other people see trees, you see furniture. Uh, When other people see a a broken down facility, you see a business could go there. When other people are seeing like, uh, you know, the complaining about, there's nothing to do in Jackson. You see all the things you could create so people have some things to do in Jackson. And there, there, there needs to be a remnant in this city and in this state that come and say, Mississippi is amazing. God can do some amazing things here in Mississippi. And we see it. Uh, Because unless we see it, it will never happen. 
Uh, if, if, if God can't make us see it, it can't happen. We have to see it before it will ever exist. Everything you see started in the unseen first, both positive and negative, which is why the enemy's coming. And what do you see in the book of Genesis? In the book of Genesis, when the enemy comes in, uh, he comes into the garden. What does he bring? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And in your life, if you think you see the enemy, you don't. Uh, He's not the red devil uh, with the the pitchfork. That's an image that the world has made. Or maybe he helped him make, so you think that's what he is. The Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light. And you know how often he disguises himself? Care. Care. Worry. Anxiety. Anxiety. And any reasonable person would be anxious about this. And the Lord Jesus comes and says, take no thought. Do not allow this care to get in your life. What are we going to do? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How's this going to work out? That we begin to see a vision of defeat. A vision of failure. A vision of... Of, of really the enemy working destruction and, and pain and hurt and harm. And Jesus says, stop it. Give him no place. How Do not be ignorant, Paul said, of Satan's devices. What are his devices? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. What do you see him doing in Jesus' life? When Jesus was under temptation, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions trying to get things in his mind, trying to get um, a disobedience in him. And what, what I just want you to be so mindful of in this season is that the Holy Spirit and the enemy is trying to get you to see what could be and then say that with your mouth to take the thought. That your mouth is coming into agreement with their thoughts. And out of that... Whichever one uh, you come into agreement with is the thing that will begin to be produced in your life. We see this literally all throughout Scripture. If you don't believe this, you'd have to throw the whole Bible away. Uh, Because with the children of Israel, what what do you see? You see them on the way to the promised land. God tells them, send 12 spies in. You can read about this in the book of Numbers. They send 12 spies in. Ten come back and see everything that that everybody else saw, the other two spies saw. They see the giants. They see the walled cities. They see how hard it may be. They see how difficult it may be. And they took a thought, and it was a thought from the enemy, of we were grasshoppers in our own sight. And they didn't talk to anybody there. Uh, they didn't, uh, you know, come up to the giants and say, hey, we're the children of Israel and we actually want all this uh, and engage in a conversation. Uh, they didn't engage in a conversation with that enemy, but they did engage in a conversation with another one. Have you been having a conversation with the enemy? And they're seeing all these negative things And in their mind, they start having this conversation with the enemy, like, who are we compared to them? And out of this, like, if this keeps going in this direction, what in the world will happen to us? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. We were grasshoppers in our own sight. And they come back and fill the whole camp with this thought, idea, and suggestion. 
And the enemy uses them to spread care and anxiety and fear. When the nation hears it, you see them start talking about it. In fact, the Bible says they begin to rip their clothes. They even talk about stoning Moses. Uh, And they're like, you brought us all the way out here to die. And Joshua and Caleb uh, were of, the Bible says, a different spirit. And this is what we're needing more than ever today. All across the world, all across the body of Christ are those who have a different spirit. They actually act like they have a God who can still do the impossible. The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's still splitting seas. He's still moving mountains. He's still a great, good, heavenly father. Uh, And Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. And they came and they said, no, we saw all those things. We saw, we're not denying the fact that this is what's there. There's giants. There's walled cities. It's a big land. They said it also flows with milk and honey. And all those obstacles that are in our way, they will be bread. <laughs> I love it. They literally said, they will be bread unto us. We will eat it like delicious bread. Come on, somebody. We will just, we will take it and we will just go right through it because God is with us. I know they have giants and walled cities, but we have God. God is with us. And God interrupts the scene because when the children of Israel heard it, because they had heard so much of the negative, they would not believe a positive report. And my, my, well, one of the things that I'm, I, I kind of see is we have so much negative out there uh, that a lot of times when we come back with a positive, we wonder, could this really be? But yet, if we took the time to kind of like pull back the lay of our life and just looked around, we would see everything we see, both good and bad, came from the unseen. Before there was ever a marriage, people saw themselves getting married, and then they talked about it. Before there ever was a divorce, people saw it, and then they talked about it. That what we see was made by that which was unseen. That there wasn't anything that just happened. If you see it, it's because it started in the unseen first. And there is no judgment, there is no shame for any of those types of things. But this is what scripture has been trying to tell us. And God came and he told them. He told them all. He said, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. And Joshua and Caleb went in, those who had a different spirit, and they overcame every giant. They shouted and walls came down. They saw God move all in their midst. Caleb at an old age is taking his mountain, like going up there and just seeing God work victory through him. And Hebrews 3 and 4 comes back and says, would you please read that story? That so many of those people, literally a generation of people, they failed to enter into God's rest. Because they allowed their heart to get so filled with this unbelief and these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that they weren't able and they weren't enough and it wouldn't work out. And God is like, when did this ever have anything to do with you? This is not about you. This is about who is with you and I am with you wherever you go. Uh, And and this, this confidence in the goodness of God. And what I just really felt led to just come in here today to do is to just remind you to be confident in the goodness of God.
uh, to allow God to begin to work with your mind and to dream and to see an expectation of God turning things around. That when you look out there, you just, how many of you know the enemy is the father of lies? So he's never told truth. In fact, Jesus said there is no truth in him. So if he is coming, you feeding those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that it's not going to work out, you know what it is? It's a lie. It is going to work out. If he's coming, it's like, it'll never turn around. He's the father of lies. You just need to say, no, you are a liar. There's no truth in you. Just the sheer fact that you said it won't turn around means God is going to turn it around in Jesus' name. Uh, That out of this, we begin to, point number four, curse the tree. Uh, That when we see disappointment in life, we don't just look at it and say, my gosh, there's just no fruit on the tree. We come and say, you know what? There never will be. No man eat fruit of you hereafter. And disciples, I want you to hear it. And when they heard it, they saw it dry up from the roots, which is why all these things matter, because God teaches us that our words are like seeds. Jesus in Mark 4 said, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand any, anything else I'm saying. The sower sows the word. And he says, when you're talking, it's seeds going into your life. You're not a hunter where it's like, it's a bullet where it flies out and kills the thing you're, you're after. You're sowing seed. And you don't know exactly when it's going to grow. But when you sow that seed and the ground opens up, which is your heart, and you pay attention to those words you're saying, and it just this is continual cycle of it's out of your mouth and in your heart, out of your mouth and in your heart, out of your mouth and in your heart, in your heart and out of your mouth, in your heart and out of your mouth, out of your mouth and in your heart, out of your mouth and in your heart, in your heart and out of your mouth. That there is this continuous cycle of creation. Because what were the worlds made out of? That the worlds were made by the word of God. In the book of Genesis, the transition between thought and thing was words. Jesus said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we put on? He said, stop doing that. Because in the Genesis creation, what started as a desire in God's heart and what ended up as a reality in his life, that transition between thought and thing was words. And I want to encourage you in your life to come to this place where you begin to see God at work in you. I I know in my life, I've I've done this for almost 20 years now, and I've seen God work miracles um, all around me. I've seen God work miracles in my family. I've seen God work miracles in healing. Uh, I've seen God work miracles in facilities. Um, I have seen God work miracles. And I'll be, I'll be the first one who'll be honest and say, I haven't seen every miracle happen that I thought would happen. But here is what I do know with certainty. Every miracle that I have seen happen was a miracle I saw before it happened. Every miracle that I have seen happen is a miracle that I have seen happening before it happened. And there have been moments in prayer where it looked like the whole church years ago was going to fall apart. But in prayer, I saw a vision of victory. And in those moments, I would come to my wife and I'd be like, I know it looks like this. But in my heart, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And when I look out and I look at the scene, it's only a cloud the size of a man's hand. But in my heart, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. 
And I want to encourage you in your life, if in your life right now it looks like there is only a cloud the size of a man's hand, I want you to know God has called you to not walk by sight, but to live by faith. And in your heart, look for the sound of an abundance of rain, that I choose to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that I will walk by my faith and not by my sight. God's making me the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. God's giving me wisdom and counsel and guidance. It'll all work out. It'll all turn around. You got to be like David and you got to answer Goliath. You can't sit back and beat a thought with a thought. You got to answer that thought with the word of the living God. I want to encourage you in your life that I I know so many of us are are undergoing like a spiritual battle and a spiritual warfare where there's just something trying to break through our souls so it can break through in our lives. And I said this last week, but it bears repeating. Is the devil cannot defeat you until he disarms you. What is our armor? I got a shield of faith and I've got a sword of the spirit. And the devil wants to give you a vision of defeat that's so strong that you just drop that shield and you let go of that sword. There's just no point anymore. I love the story of Jesus telling his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They have his word. They know his will. They get in the boat. They go to the other side. And a storm comes out. Did you know that just because a storm comes out does not mean you're not in the will of God? Come on, church. I said, did you know that just because a storm happens does not mean you are not in the will of God? Jesus turns to his disciples and says, we're going to the other side. Gets on the bottom of the boat, falls asleep on the boat. He literally has a pillow, the Bible says. His head is on a pillow. And a storm breaks out that is the worst storm these sailors, because the disciples, a lot of them were fishermen, the worst storm they had ever seen. And you can be in the worst storm you've ever seen and be in the will of God. And you know what happens? They're looking at the storm and they're not taking into account who's on the boat. They're not taking into account what God has said and the promise he's made about the journey. And they start looking at all this and they're like, doesn't he care that we perish? And all of a sudden they've taken the thought. They've, they've seen the wave and the, the waves filling in the boat. They're like, we're about to die. Uh, and all of these types of things. And they take this thought and take this thought. And they go wake up Jesus. They're like, Jesus, we are about to die. Don't you care? And Jesus gets up, gets on the bow of the boat, speaks to it, says, peace, be still. The storm immediately stops. Then he turns to them and says, and that's how Jesus does it. No, he didn't. He turned to them and corrected them. And you know what he said? Why are you so fearful? Think about that word, full of fear. You know how they got there? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from the enemy. God doesn't love you. If he loved you, you wouldn't be going through the storm. He's asleep. He doesn't even care. If God cared, you wouldn't be facing this. You're going to die out here. What good is your life? Should have never gotten on this boat. What were we thinking following this man? Why? Because if he can disarm you, he can defeat you. But what did Jesus do? 
He got up on that bow of the boat, and he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to disarm me. I know what I have the sword of the Spirit for. I know what I have the shield of faith for. I know what I have a helmet of salvation for. And Satan, I'm telling you, you you're a liar. Peace be unto this storm. Like the woman who's got a son who is dead. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my family. It is well with me in Jesus name. It is well. The Bible talks about in the New Testament, the Lord working with them. How many of you want the Lord to work with you? Come on. How many of you would like to see the Lord work with you? The Lord work with you. The Lord help you. Be a co-laborer with Jesus. The Lord working with you. You know how he is working with them? Confirming the word with signs following confirming the word with signs following some of you today we're going to sing we're going to end with worship and some of you today you need to have an Abraham moment the Bible talks about in Romans that Abraham who against hope hoped anyway (laughs) I love that who against hope hoped anyway it looked like he had something he wanted and it looked like it would never happen it looked like in the natural, it couldn't happen for him. Too much time had passed. Too much, had, too much had happened. Too much of life had taken place. It had no hope in the natural. But I like what the scripture says. Who against hope, hoped anyway. It didn't look like anything could happen. But he's like, I know it looks like in the natural nothing could happen. But here's what the natural doesn't know. I'm not operating just with the natural. I got a God who can put some super on that natural. And make a very natural moment become a very supernatural moment. I, I've got a God who can take the natural and just add some super to it. And, and come on it and do what only God can do. Turn it around completely. And the Bible says he grew strong in faith by giving glory unto God, looking not at the scene, but that which was unseen, calling those things that be not as though they were. And he began to call himself a father of many nations. And he began to call himself what God had said. He began to speak those things over his life. And he saw a miracle that day. What I I, I genuinely want is that we cannot have a faith that stands in the wisdom of men. It cannot be in just how how well we deliver a message or was it entertaining or, you know, I really like my preacher or my church is really friendly. It's got to be, you know why I'm a Christian? I've seen the power of God. My faith does not stand in the wisdom of men. I have seen the power of God. I have seen God move. I have seen God heal. I have seen God restore. I have seen God do what he can do. And you know how he does it? Somebody somewhere has to see the unseen. Somebody somewhere's got to see what could be and not what is. Somebody somewhere's got to see a building, see a healing, see a restoration, see a child come back to Jesus. Somebody somewhere has to praise before the miracle. I'm glad you can give thanks after the miracle. I'm glad you can give thanks before the multitude is fed. But somebody's got to lift up five loaves and two fish and say, God, I don't know how, but here's what I do know. I know you're able and I'm going to break this anyway and give thanks for what is not enough because until you learn how to give thanks for what is not enough you'll never see God turn it into more than enough 
But in this moment, if you'll come to God and say, God, I know you're a miracle worker. Against hope, I'll hope on anyway. God, you'll make a way where there is no way. God said, I can make a river flow through your desert. I can make it throw flow through every barren place, every broken place. And this is who we are. We're people of faith. We're not of those who draw back. We're not of those who are going to act like we haven't seen God move. And Hebrews 11 says, And God was not ashamed to be their God because they acted like they had one. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you want to act like you got a God today? How many of you want to act like you got a Father today? How many of you want to act like you know a miracle worker? How many of you want to praise like you know God is able? That you know He is able. That you know He is mighty. Oh, come on, church. Let's stand to our feet at all of our campuses. Father, we come before you today. We thank you, Lord. You're a miracle worker, and there is nothing you cannot do. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Mountains are moving in front of us. Chains are breaking all around us. We have a God who can make a way where there is no way. And so, Father, we thank you at all of our campuses today. We're going to act like it. We're going to sing like it. We're going to pick up our souls, and we're going to give you a mighty praise because we know in our